Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Curzon Film Podcast. Uh, I am Jake Cunningham and with me this week is Ursi Kalensi. Hey, hey. Daniela Verectanidi. Hello. And Samuel Howlett. Hi. Uh, so this week we are talking about Antonio Campos's Christine, uh, the story of Christine Chubbuck, a news reporter in the 70s. And that's all we're going to say for now. Uh, now, this film uh, and Christine's story uh, w- was told in documentary form in a film called Kate Plays Christine at Sundance Film Festival this time last year, at the same time this film was released as well. Very odd turn of events. Mm. And so that made us look into films that have had documentaries and then had traditional narrative films. So we're looking at Man on Wire and The Walk uh, and things like that. So for the for our podcast pitch, uh, this opening section now where we're pitching theoretical films that will no doubt go into production one day, uh, I want to ask you guys about what story that you have seen told in documentary form would you like to see adapted into more of a traditional fiction film narrative form structure? All right. Uh, so that is this week's podcast pitch. Let's start with Danny. Um, I was thinking about it, and I, I, I wanted to see Senna made into a fictional mm. film because um, it has it has like a narrative already that it seems quite easy to make into a fictional film. Um, he's a very interesting character, and there's um, there's already like drama and love stories as well, but also like just general interest about the Formula One world. Um, so I think that could be done. Yeah, I mean, we, and we've seen, we saw Ron Howard's Rush as well, oh. which took mm. a sport which admittedly I have no interest in yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and made it interesting, as did Senna, the documentary, yeah. but I can totally see why you would want to see that too. Give it to Ron Howard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Ursi? Uh, so Senna was actually on my list, okay. but it was not the final one. But good, sh- I like it. Good shout. I was uh, so I didn't know what to pick because I thought to myself, Grizzly Man might be an interesting pick. Oh yeah, I thought of that too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but then uh, but then I thought it's a little bit similar to 
Christine, so let's not copy too much. And then there's Searching for Sugar Man, I thought was a good shout as well, because you yeah. can make a nice little musical biopic. But then, I am, I ha- can I make two picks, effectively? Why not? All right. My first one is an animation, and it's Blackfish. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it would be, you just animate the whole thing. I don't think Pixar is going to want that one. But it would be all about um, following Tilikum's, like the orca's perspective as the, 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 fish is, the orca is fished out of the ocean and put into SeaWorld. So it will be like a very, an, an, a weird character study, but in cartoon form. That sounds like the saddest cartoon. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let's see you going to SeaWorld after that. <laughs> that makes Watership Down sound like yeah. easy. Yeah. And uh, so I've got, so that's my number one pitch. And obviously, if nobody goes for that, because it's a really, really sad cartoon, uh, I would go for Grey Gardens, which is the the two recluse (laughs) socialites in New York. And I would actually make it a little bit of a comedy, like a tragic comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Um, That's a great, great shout. Um, I'll I'll, I'll do mine now. Save yours, Sam, shall we? As you wish. Yeah, so you've got, you've got to end on a high. Okay. Right. Um, so I have picked uh, one episode from the 2003 BBC series Seven Wonders of the Industrial World. Whoa. And um, in particular, the one episode, the Bell Rock Lighthouse. And this was an amazing lighthouse um, that started being built in 1807 uh, by Robert Stevenson. And the thing about this lighthouse, which I can tell you guys are already interested, um, it's the world's oldest sea-washed lighthouse, which means it's it's not on the coast. It's actually out in the water. Uh, And the masonry on this lighthouse is such high quality, it has never been replaced. And it was built over 200 years ago. Who would you have starring in Who that? would play the lighthouse? <laughs> <laughs> uh, whoever it is, it's Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, but Daniel Makes Day-Lewis sense. as Robert Stevenson. Like, this guy's a legend in engineering. Um, but the story is phenomenal. Mm. They, uh, so these guys, for the first time, like, this thing took ages to build. They were living on a boat for 20 hours a day and then had to row a mile to get to this section of rock in the middle of the ocean where they would then pickaxe at the rock to just start leveling it to make a surface. The first time, the first year of this, the first season that they could do it, because they couldn't do it in winter, um, they, all they were building was like a shed on the stills so that when they came back the next year, they could stay on the rock <laughs> rather than having to stay on the boat. That's how long it took. That <laughs> A year in, they had not actually built anything except a shed. Uh, and... It's like people died, people lost their fingers, people's legs got broken off. Uh, Stevenson's kids died whilst it was being made. Uh, But prior to this, six ships were being lost on this rock a year and all their men. That's how important this lighthouse is. Uh, And that was part of the Industrial Wonders of the World series on BBC. And there were six other wonders as well, which could all have amazing films. And this could just be one of that series. So So you're talking about a uh, shared universe? Yeah. Well, that shared universe is, you know, the real history. world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that, that is my pick. Sam. Mm-hmm. 
So my pick is a Netflix documentary that came out in 2014 called Virunga. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yes. Uh, so this had a documentary maker, Orlando von Einzendel. Uh, he went to the Virunga National Park in the Democratic Republic of Congo with the intention of uh, documenting the progress of Virunga National Park, which is home to the last mountain gorillas in the world. And that's all he intended to happen in this documentary and just sort of look at how sort of oil, the oil industry is sort of threatening this park. But while he was there, the M23 rebellion uh, took place and then it becomes this really, really tense kind of... Everyone's really scared because this rebellion is about to sweep through the national park. And so they're worried about... There's also... There's, you follow different perspectives. There's sort of the documentary maker, there's the, the chief warden of the park, the guerrilla caregiver, there's a French journalist there as well. All these different people sort of coming together by accident. They, were, they had no idea that this was about to take place when they came to this uh, park. And yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of scary that they're there by accident and they now have to be prepared for this army to cascade through this uh, park. Mm -hmm. So I think that would make a really nice uh, fiction film. A, because it's not a very well-known story or a very well-known documentary, so I think the transition would be quite easy to fiction film. And also you've got these really interesting characters and this really great story as well. Excellent. Right. Um, we better we better take this to the board. So last week, uh, our podcast pitch, what we eventually funded, uh, was Jenna's Natalie Portman, Gareth Gates biopic, um, which obviously we look forward to seeing. Uh, where do we think, where are we putting our money? What are we funding this week? Where are we Weinsteining? I'd Weinstein Cartoon Blackfish because yeah, it just sounds yeah. <laughs> that sounds horrible, bizarrely bleak. But yeah. also, I would watch it. Would <laughs> it be like hand-drawn animation or uh, CG? I think I think hand-drawn. Yeah. yeah, just to kind Water of watercolors. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Oh, oh my God, the yeah. yes, Princess Kaguya style. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right, there we are. Cartoon Blackfish coming <laughs> to cinemas very, very soon. It can't take that long to do a hand-drawn animation, can it? Ah, I don't think so. No. Uh, <laughs> coming this summer. Uh, right, so let's move on to Christine Chubbuck, the uh, news presenter uh, from the 70s. Who Now, this film, uh, it raises a little issue about spoilers because this is a true story. Uh, and normally on our podcast, we have our main review and then we have our spoiler section at the end where we talk about any revelations. Uh, and as a kind of code for us about what we can talk about, we generally go by the trailer uh, of a film. And as much information as uh, you listeners get in the trailer is as much as we'll try and go into in our main review before going into any spoilers. Uh, and in the trailer for Christine uh, is a particular part of the script, uh, which leads to a rev like a an important part of the film, shall we say, uh, in which Christine narrates and says that we will see live on TV an attempted suicide. Uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about now uh, in this review section, because uh, really this film is not about that event, is it? No, not uh, at all. This is, very, this is a character study um, and looking at the way that... She, um, the world has treated her the way that she treats the world and how ultimately she didn't have the safe spaces and treatment that she needed, really. Yeah, I think if um, if you go on like the Wikipedia page for the film, at the top, it reveals something. Mm. 
whereas on IMDb it does not. Yeah. And the trailer also, as you said, skirts around it a bit. I mean, listening to this podcast, I think you know. Mm. But if you don't, we will hold back, I guess, yeah. from that. Um, and I'm sure, and what the film is trying to achieve is not that she, her her life is being defined by a certain event. Yeah, uh, which I guess up until this film it was. Mm. Because I think Christine, the story of Christine Chubbick was sort of a, a water cooler moment. You know, like you met someone, oh, did you hear about this thing that happened? I can't mm. remember the person's name, but this thing happened once, it's crazy. Yeah. And I think the writer who, remind me of his name? Uh, Craig Shilovich. Craig Shilovich. I think he found out about the story of Christine in one of those online videos like um, 10 craziest ten, yeah. things that have happened the, on live TV yeah, the 10 weirdest TV moments yeah. and just she was just a bit of trivia yeah. and whereas now the, he and he saw that and think oh, I need to make something more of this yeah. this is way too sad that that's all she's become and it's, it is a smaller story than the likes of I don't know Sully for instance where like it's not really a spoiler to say that in Sully he lands the plane oh, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so there is so much to talk about in this film. Uh, I think at the centre of it is Rebecca Hall, uh, who yes. gives an astonishing performance as Christine. Um, and I think we really go on a journey with her and her performance. Um, and at the start, you there is an inkling that something is offset, but she's still she's confident in herself. Um, you see that she likes her work, and you do the kind of the way that this film builds within her or the story builds within her you can really see in her physicality as well uh, as as well as the way that she actually speaks too yeah i mean it's quite i think it's quite telling that the first shot that you see of christine in this movie is is through a television set mm. and uh then you hear her interviewing uh, Richard Nixon, who at, at the time is going through his impeachment process after the Watergate scandal. And she then obviously the camera goes closer, goes through the TV and onto her in real life. And she is sitting on uh, she is sitting in a on a table, well, around a table. And in front of her is an empty chair. And all of a sudden it becomes this kind of very strange interview that she's having with Richard Nixon and herself because one of her main phrases in that moment are, is are they really after you or is this just all paranoia mm. and you can you can kind of feel like she might be asking that to herself oh, yeah. as well and I love it because through that first shot you get you see her as enormously ambitious as an enormously ambitious reporter and yet so kind of Frozen and insecure at the same yeah. time, and it's it's such a wonderful introduction to this character. Yeah, and she she questions herself in that moment as well, and she said, "Do you think I'm nodding too much? Do you too think that looks pathetic?" Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's such a minute detail that we would never think about and when you're watching an interview. And but the flowers. Yeah. She uh, from early early on, she's sort of worried about the flowers on the desk. Like, These are fake. They should be real. And it's sort of brushed aside, but that comes up later, and that's sort of a slight early inkling of her mental health I guess that yeah. she's obsessing over these small minute details and eventually they escalate and she blows them way out of proportion yeah and I think when we see it in the opening scene that's reflective as the way a lot of people may see people with mental health problems yeah, that they may not see actually see it like it's happening it right in front yeah. of you but because you're not if you're not paying as much attention and you're looking through something through a screen for instance mm. you're not going to notice it and I, 
did you guys did it take you a while to kind of work out that she is a troubled woman or yeah I was about to say that it was very um, gradual yeah so at, at first she's very confident she's very she knows where she's standing it seems at least and then gradually there's little moments when you're like oh something's not right here mm. and then you kind of realize through her relationship mainly with her mom mm. I think that she's not she, there's something wrong yeah uh, but it's not like it's falling down or something yeah, right, where yeah, she yeah. suddenly snaps <laughs> no exactly uh, there's not a moment yeah that's the thing I think it's interesting comparing this to Manchester by the Sea as well in that we're given a very specific reason for his uh, state of mind <laughs> we're not for Christine yeah but I think like the difference is that's that's grief yeah. and that that's his reaction to an event whereas uh, this film does well in saying that there's no having, reason yeah having trouble with mental health yeah. doesn't is does not always relate to something exactly. that happened and, and i think her relationship with her mum is really important in that mm. in that her mum's very nice hmm. and they have this quite a nice relationship i mean it's slightly um Maybe too close at times, I think. That's the point that she says, oh, it's weird that we still live together when I'm 30, etc. Yeah. But there's not, it's not a troubled relationship. There's not like her mum was cruel to her, which gives context for her condition. It's just the way she is. I feel at first it kind of tricks us to believe that might, her mum might not be as good. Not as good, but like because she's like, oh, you smoke pot all mm. the time and this and that. And it feels like, oh, she's having issues with her mom. But then we kind of realise that her mom is not the, necessarily the issue. But yeah. It's yeah. Uh, this, is, this is it. There is not yeah. one thing that you can pin this on. Yeah. Um, so for at the start of the film, as you said, we have, we have, this, we have Christine, who is am, an ambitious reporter, a uh, bit of a perfectionist. And it kind, of, it kind of gets told at the start of the film that there is going to be an opportunity for promotion as well that there's uh, to go to Baltimore and work in a news network there and she's working alongside George the anchor who is played by Michael C Hall who people may know from Dexter and that's this kind of dynamic is the new working in the newsroom and then Christine's life at home yeah and i think the newsroom is done really nicely in such a way that when Christine attempts suicide at the end, you're not prepared for that because mm. it, these are all really kind of quirky, interesting characters. It's not just focused on Christine solely. You have this kind of network, like the, like the film Network dynamic of this crew of people who are struggling in the ratings and they're all vying for this promotion. And that could be the plot of the film if you, well, if you don't know what's coming. Sorry. Mm. Then that you could think that's the plot. Yes, yeah. about the, this network. Uh, it's interesting that you brought that up because obviously it's it's. Oh, I mean, it's rumored that Patty Chayefsky, who actually wrote Network, was influenced mm. by uh, the story of Christine Chubbuck, and you can kind of you can see similarities between um, the main the main character in the film Network and Christine herself because obviously they're both angry about very very similar things. Uh, but I th I think I agree with the, like the uh, the network setting of this movie is very interesting because apart from Christine, everybody else is working as an ensemble cast. Yeah, there isn't really anybody that necessarily stands out because this is this is a movie about Christine Chubbuck. This is a movie sent that centers mainly around Rebecca Hall's performance, and everybody else 
feels like they're there in order to not bring out her neurosis, but mostly to accentuate them, to underline them. So uh, we we actually talked about Jackie last week as well, which is this, um, you've got this individual portrait of a woman, and in fact it's the name, that woman's first name is the title yeah. of the film, uh, and that idea of the, her world kind of crumbling. Sort of pre- um, pressures of being in the media. Yeah. And, mm. and as well, they're both, they're not, at all like anti-heroines or anything but they aren't s- entirely sympathetic all the way through mm. Mm. which is often the case with uh, female characters in film they're often sort of nurturing maternal types and here you have two women that are very troubled and very complicated and I think it's really great that we finally have these kind of roles that women have now yeah mm. absolutely and it's interesting to see that Jackie is mainly centred around grief and loss whereas Christine it's Christine, it's something different. It's it's most it's um what is it? It's depression and it's depression and paranoia, mm. and um, it's also the irony of both of the lives of these women are defined by a gunshot to the head. Yeah. Um, now, the talking about the, the depression and paranoia um, in the film, the what what I thought was really excellent in this. Uh, in this film was the way that the frustrations of having um, to deal with mental health problems both as the sufferer and the people around her as well and I think you see a little bit of that through George uh, the anchor of the Mm. station and you kind of think at the start of the film that it's an there's this unrequited love that uh, Christine has for George and that he's he's a bit of a dog and that he's talking to other women and that he's been mean to her or something but actually that's that's all in her head we actually see he's not that he's not a baddie or anything and he's trying to talk to her and he's trying to ask her out and i think it's just this paranoia in christine's mind that when things don't happen it's because of her or when things do happen it's her fault and this building up of minute details or things that she that she can't affect really that just build up and build up in her mind as being like really awful and induce this anxiety that um, eventually peaks. And there's the, just these contradictions running throughout that she wants she, like she wants help and that would be great if she could get help and then when it's offered it's not taken or she would love to go out with George or talk to George and when that's offered she immediately questions it mm. um, like she's never willing to actually take or accept anything that's given to her without a Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Immediately, effectively offering for it to be taken away or thinking that it should be taken away. Yeah. Uh, George had... Um nice quote when in that scene the party scene he was saying that we all have different versions of ourselves compi- competing to be us mm. and I thought that kind of summed up a bit how she was feeling um, yeah, yeah that is a, that's a really lovely quote and that, that sums up a lot of the film as well and these, the different ways that Christine is seen, the way that she sees herself the way that she's seen by her work colleagues by her mother and the way that she's seen on the screens as well yeah. yeah I think that's expressed really nicely and when she goes on the date with George and the, he takes her to this strange kind of almost cult-like counseling session yeah. when they play the game yes but where uh, you say something you want in life and then you someone replies with yes but etc etc and that's where he, I think a lot of things are revealed about Christine in that mm. scene yeah that's horrible therapy yeah I uh, <laughs> that was <laughs> surprisingly that was really the the proper rise of self-help in yeah. the 70s and I thought that I I absolutely adored Rebecca Hall in that scene because she her her character because I think that's a fictional kind of addition to the Christine Chubbuck um, timeline. But the the person that she has in uh, in front of her going asking her these questions. Yeah, let, why don't well, let's yeah let's go through this. So yeah, um, it would be what do you want in life? I want a promotion at work. Then it would be. Have you asked for one? Why don't, yeah. Yes, but I've already asked for one and I haven't got it. Yeah. Um, well, why don't you be better at your job? Yes, but I'm always trying to be better at my job. Yeah. Why don't you change your way of thinking? Yes, but then I wouldn't be doing what I love. Yeah. And yeah. yes, but don't you think you should compromise? Mm. And it goes yeah. on, and it's it's like a, a vicious circle, isn't it? It's like her. It's like her conscience is trying to fight her mental health mm. by going, yes, but you can do also this. Yes, but you can do that, and then. It, uh, I think it was the final question where she talks about the fact that due to a cyst in in her uterus, she needs to have one ovary removed and that severely diminishes her chances of having children. And through saying that, she comes to the slow realization of what that actually means, of her actually maybe ending up childless. And that woman... Like her last question is, can't you find a man? Mm. And she's like, yes, but I haven't gotten to fall in love with me. Mm. And she looks at George, and it's that it's that moment where it finally hits her and possibly the audience that this is this is never meant to be, mm. because she can't you can't force somebody to return feelings, especially the feelings that she has, willingly or just like that, because it's obviously not there. And it's so sad in, mm. in that one look that Rebecca Hall gives. And also it would be tough to fall in love with someone that takes you to therapy on the first date. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, but that is a really wonderful scene and it really it captures what is happening in Christine's head. That she is constantly given a situation and is questioning and contradicting herself all the time. She is saying yes but to every element of her life as that when it tries to proceed in any way and I imagine she also feels that the world around her is doing the same thing yeah. to her uh, and ultimately these two frustrations collide in extraordinary fashion uh, and at the end of that scene uh, the, the camera kind of shifts to um, 
a, a close-up of a front-on close-up of Christine, and she's wearing a dress in this scene, and uh, she's got this like lovely long black hair, and in that moment, it's covering the straps of the dress, and it appears that she, like with the trick of the camera and the, the costume, that she is naked in this moment, and she has been completely stripped of everything, and we've we are revealed Christine in front of us in this this little moment, and. That would bring me on, as we talked about with Jackie as well, the production design in this film, whether that is the costume or the sets or looking at the lighting as well. It, it, it's extraordinary. It's really, really expertly executed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought the color, pa- the, the color palette is uh, was very faithful to the 70s, mm. and that decade was rife with colors that... I think are non yeah exactly are non-existent in textile manufacturing now, and but it was it was interesting because it had a lot of a lot of brown a lot of beige a lot of yellow, and surprisingly enough, and I'm trying to rack my brain thinking about it, but I but I can't find anything. You don't see really red in that film. There's not really like a crimson red which I'm I'm thinking like the only reason that is is that they're saving it to the end mm. Mm. and it's a really nice addition the I mentioned the lighting in there there's a there's a lovely scene in which we've mentioned actually a couple of times already in which um, in George and Christine chat at a party and they're playing pool and the light is bouncing off the green of the pool table uh, around their face and it's the, this kind of like vertigo mm. lighting that is just is nauseating. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's such as it's simple to do, uh, make things green and make people feel sick and give people a green face, but it's effective as well. And the way that uh, Christine's face is lit is really wonderful because um, Re- Rebecca Hall has has a remarkable face. She's got these am- amazing, oh. humongous eyes um, that are so expressive, and uh, they give their points. It's it's sunny it's florida and so in the natural light it's lovely and then at times she's given this horror lighting and mm. you see the you see her cheekbones and the chin and uh, the shadows in her eyes as well and she's because of her long black hair it's it's like the ring at times yeah, well, like um, a vampira yeah something. the way that she is yeah. um made to appear on screen and then it will contrast to the lovely sunny natural light of florida um and that is I think a fair representation of the states of mind that we find in yeah. her. She's also like physically, she's kind of awkward and gangly. Like she's re- she seems like really tall, very long limbed, and she's sort of slightly hunched, especially when she wears that the long black dress when she goes on the date with George, and she's got this really long, flat black hair. She mm. just kind of looks really uncomfortable in her yeah. own skin all the yeah. time. The way like what she walks, um, like what she does with the physicality of holding yeah. something within her that is 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 pain Um, like whether that's that's mental and physical and she's walking with someone who's dealing with that I really loved in this film Tracy Letts yes which we haven't talked about about yet Um, so Tracy Letts had this kind of weird career where he he wrote the plays of uh, Killer Joe and August Osage County and then he well, he was in Homeland season four. That's where I first saw him as an actor. And he no one does anger and frustration better than Tracy Letts. Mm-hmm. And the screaming battles he has with Christine, I think, are really great. Uh, they're, they're the parts that kind of remind me of Network a bit as well. Yeah. So this is the boss of the network. Yeah. Yeah. And f- I don't know. For me, Tracy Letts. Whenever Tracy Letts is in a film, I'm slightly more interested in that film. Yeah. For some yeah, just for some reason, he just 
commands my attention when he's on screen. Yeah, I don't know why. I think his uh, his character is really his character is really good as well because every I mean there's every time him and Christine, so Michael the boss and Christine yeah. share a screen or share the same room, it it turns into a shouting match and you have. I always thought that the dynamic between the two of them was always really interesting from the beginning because the f one of the first things that he says to her, as if it's an insult, he says, you're a feminist. Mm. And you're like, ooh, okay. And all of a sudden it dawns on you that this is, this is a workplace in the 1970s where women are just getting really into it and are trying to break barriers um, that were there previously. And Tracy Letts is so... Is, is so good at conveying his frustration, not only at the fact that his rate to, that the network's ratings are failing, but he also has to accommodate what what the seventies bring. So that's that's more women, that's more inclusion, that's more understanding, and he is very much a, a product, I think, of the fifties and sixties, much like Christine's mom as well. Mm. They are part of a very of an older world, like a, a world of JFKs and a world, and this is. This is the Nixon mm. kind of era, um, and obviously subsequently Ford. But it was—it's uh, interesting that when they butt heads, it's basically two very different people that have very different views of what the world should be. Yeah, um, there's a bit where she mentions that she she goes along to a, a fire scene, and she says that she's like Bob Woodward. Yeah, which I that's th that's her idol, isn't it? Yeah, and you can even from the opening when she's interviewing Nixon. Yeah. That's because that's like the height of journalism, I guess, yeah. isn't it? The investigative journalist, yeah. and that's what she really wants to be. And she's like, "Oh, we need to do this and this and this." Yeah, there's some really lovely, um, like Gordon Willis style slow zooms in this film as well, um, which is so reminiscent of the paranoia films of the 70s yeah. as well. Mm. Um, and it's just when you starting on a wide shot and then just gradually yeah. slowly zooming into Christine. It's it's. It's oh. very satisfying. That fire scene also reminds me of Nightcrawler. As well, yeah, kind of ah. I think there's a lot of yeah, Nightcrawler like this kind in this. Of accident chasers. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. Yeah. You also spoke about um, kind of close-ups and well, from wide to close-up. That's also something that we saw in Pablo Larín's Jackie as well. Mm -hmm. And I and I love those. This is really because you talked about having women uh, kind of back to doing films like these and character studies. Just having these claustrophobic close-ups on a woman whose hair and, and face are so thin and so pale mm. and then the wide angles that he has she looks as if she's alone she looks as if she's by herself like anybody else in, in that wide is far away from her yeah. or seems far away from her yeah. um, right we should probably move on to our spoiler section uh, so uh, hopefully we've carefully skirted around um, the Wikipedia spoiler-inducing... <laughs> we've done uh, everything but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm sure you probably know. Um, so, but if not, do go and watch Christine. Uh, it's actually it's in cinemas, but it's also on Curzon Home Cinema. So if you're not near anywhere that's showing it, just log on to CurzonHomeCinema.com and uh, you can watch it right away there. Um, and this is this is a performance that should have been uh, up for yes. um, best actress at mm. the Academy Award nominations. It's the best the best performance Rebecca Hall's given. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and hopefully we will see more of Rebecca Hall. Yes. She's always like it's been ten years since the Prestige. Now, eleven years. 
it's been a long time coming and it's great to see Rebecca Hall getting a performance that people are talking about and uh, more of it I say <laughs> uh, but let's let's get on to the spoiler section so that's your spoiler warning from now and we are back I knew going in yeah me too. and I think a lot of people will because uh, yeah. I think the way you're going to get people to see this film is by telling them unfortunately is by kind of in a weird sort of sensational factor. Oh, this is about the woman who shot herself in the head live on television. That's going to make people go and see it immediately. Yeah. But then I think the film doesn't seem to... Because I, I, in my head I pictured that it would open with her say, doing that delivery of you're about to see the first attempt to suicide on TV and then would be three weeks earlier. Mm. But it doesn't. And it's not... It's not like probing the audience, saying, oh, it's going to happen soon, get ready. It, it happens very naturally, and I think you're quite happy just to be in this world with Christine and watch mm. this really interesting character yeah. rather than wait for the suicide to happen. Yeah, and it's, it's, trying, to, it's trying to create reason yeah. behind it. Um, and as we said at the start, it's not trying to define her by that as well. Definitely. And uh, the the news stories that she is trying to create that aren't sensationalist that aren't blood and guts yeah. and she's trying to make real exactly. news about yeah. real people and you can see how she uh, her mind got distorted yeah. um, in the way that people don't want didn't want the things that she was wanting to give yeah uh, what I really liked about the um, suicide scene was I knew it was gonna happen, mm. but it didn't. It didn't make it into like a huge thing. Like it was terrible to watch it, but it wasn't like it was. It was like silently like built up. Like yeah. it wasn't like this big blowout of oh my god, you know, you know what I mean. And it's not met. Yeah. With, it's not met with screaming. It's yeah, met yeah. With silence. Yeah. And I think the first person to speak is very typically uh, Tracy Letts Michael. Hmm. He says, "Very funny, Chuck." thinking yeah. it's some sort of prank like a joke yeah. that she's sabotaged him yeah I almost thought that it would be too it would be too um, gruesome to actually show because you've we've gotten to really know Christina and it doesn't matter if you don't doesn't matter if you like her at this point mm. you are you are just grateful to to share her world and to understand her and by the time the by the time the because you know when it comes you when it's coming you know you know it's 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 about to and once once she takes her gun and just puts it behind her ear and you're like okay this is it the scene doesn't feel like because obviously we are a youtube people now and the scene doesn't feel disrespectful. It doesn't feel exploitative either. No. This well, isn't I, this isn't done for the benefit of sensationalism. This is this is a, a, a life basically extinguished through through being tired of fighting in the workplace, fighting as a woman, fighting her own body, and she is generally you can see that that, that fatigue. Mm. And then when she does that, I don't think she wants necessarily to die rather than I mean, it's always unresolved. This is what I love about this movie. It doesn't try and give you an explanation as to why she did this. It's it's really it doesn't matter at the mm. end. Yeah, um, the la the ten minutes kind of before that uh, was excruciating because uh, mm. she wakes up in the morning and her face has changed and she actually looks quite content and quite happy. Yeah, and she strolls into work and actually says hello to people and sits down at her desk 
and engages uh, and it almost feels like the start of the film as well yeah. uh, and that just made it even worse and I was sitting next to Sam on this one <laughs> and like, I had my hand over my face and my knees up because it was from the moment that she started smiling I was like right this is it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, as well it's the, um, the the VR fails doesn't it Yeah. so yeah. it's even more like it's happening sooner than you think yeah yeah, it was um, uh, really, really not delicately done because it is shocking. But it's uh, I know when they were shooting it, they shot a lot of this scene. They yeah. shot, they did a lot of coverage and ended up just doing a wide angle, and that's it. And the gunshot that you hear is quite small. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. not. It's not an explosive shot. Uh, it's not. La it's. It doesn't fill the room up. Um, and I think that was that was correct. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was really happy that by the end, you well, when she does it, uh, a more cliche director might have gotten everything into slow motion, maybe a dramatic string mm. and a sound and everybody running around kind of yelling or everything muted. Yep. Or, you know, but here it's, it's realism is really what, yeah. what he's looking yeah. for. This is where I think Christine handles this better than Jackie did. Mm. I wasn't on last week. And I think I've spoken to you about it a bit. You disagree, but I think the way they show the JFK assassination at the end of Jackie is not handled very well at all, because it's see, it's it's. I think it looks like it's like CGI and it's just there to be shocking. Right. Whereas this feels very natural. Mm. This feels how exactly it mm. would happen, how it did happen. It's not like close. There's not a close up of her shooting herself in the head. It's very. It's it's kind of like. The editing is happening like that. It's going to happen like that, with whether she shoots herself in the head or not. Mm. If you know what I mean, it's as if it's just a normal day. It's just a normal shot. Eerily matter like, of fact. Yeah, yeah it yeah. doesn't like zoom in. It doesn't like yeah, yeah. the mu There's no music. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's any music in the film at all. Is there? There is. Oh, there is. Yeah. But it's at very specific moments. There's yeah. Roberta Flack. That's as it. Well. Um, and the music's actually really, really nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like quite, it's quite jolly. I remember, yeah. I remember now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, like, like the Manchester by the Sea music is actually yeah. not too sad either. Yeah. Um, there we are. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to seek out some Roberta Flack, I think. Yeah. Um, I really love the last scene as well. The very last scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With her friend Jean, who we haven't talked about, because she didn't really do that much. She's just kind of there as Christine's. Yeah, slight, uh, slight confidant in a way. Yeah, but also Christine views her as some kind of rival as yeah. well. Mm. She's not. She, they, yeah. uh, Jean is only trying to be. Yeah, to be good. Because earlier in the film, when Christine's upset, Jean says, oh, when I'm sad, what I like to do is I like to eat ice cream and sing." And Christine just says, oh, "I've got to go back to work." There and is some. Yeah. The last scene after Christine is now dead, which we don't we don't even see her die, which is no. really interesting. She's in hospital for a while in a coma. Um, the last scene is just Jean going home, eating ice cream and singing. Very yeah. matter of fact. Hmm. I think that made me even more sad. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. A, she's so they have to carry on with their lives after yeah. this. Um, yeah, we should um, we should start wrapping up there. I'm afraid, but do seek out Antonio uh, Campos's Christine. As I said, it's on Cousin Home Cinema now. Um, uh, speaking of Cousin Home Cinema, um, we've got our recommendations, uh, one each, if you please. Uh, so, Sam, uh, on Home Cinema at the moment, what would you like to tell the people? What to watch? Well, so Danny Boyle's T2 Train Spotting is out as of today. So, what better time to go back and revisit T1? Trendsetting, yeah. Uh, T1 and New Hope. T1 and New Hope, <laughs> yeah. And then T2 Judgment Day. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, it's the 
one of the best British films of all time, Trainspotting. Um, one of the best portrayals of addiction, and I think Danny Ball's best film. Uh, so, and that's on Curzon Home Cinema right now. So, uh, yeah, check that out. Trainspotting, I think, is one of is a lot of people's favourite films, and a lot, I think a lot of people have had the Trainspotting poster on their yeah, walls. Yeah. I know I have. Yeah, um, mm. it's really nostalgic. It's 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 aged very very well, I think. Yeah. So yeah, transporting. Danny, um, I'm gonna go for another documentary, and I'm gonna go for Man on Wire. Uh, that's one of my favorite documentaries. Again, a character portrayal and a big build up in the end. Yeah, and they don't show the thing because yes. no one was filming it, yeah. <laughs> which is mad. Um, so it's completely made up of an amazing event that we never actually see, mm. uh, which I love. Uh, Ursi? I'm going to go for a documentary, which is relevant to the movie that we've been speaking about. I'm going to go for Kate Plays Christine, which is about Kate Scheel, actress Kate Scheel, preparing for her role to play Christine Chubbuck, uh, leading up to her suicide Surprisingly enough, I thought that that movie was going to be, I was going to compare it to Christine all the time. But the message of the documentary is don't make a fictional film about this because it is horrible. So I think they work very, very well together. Okay. I definitely say if you're going to watch one, do try and watch the other because they they complement each other very, very well. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually just going to... Uh, it's new on Crescent Home Cinema. I'm going to uh, mention Wiener Dog because there is a nice, angry Tracy Letts in there yeah. as well. Ah, uh, nice. So do check that out if you haven't seen Wiener yeah. Dog. Uh, right. It's a, it's a lovely story about a dog. Uh, so do, <laughs> do, do find it. Um, right. That's all we've got time for. We will uh, be back for Tony Erdman next week. <laughs> um, and we hope you join us. Uh, until then, it is good Goodbye from Sam. Goodbye. Goodbye from Danny. Bye-bye. Goodbye from Ursi. See you later. And goodbye from me. I'm off to go and eat some ice cream and sing to myself. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.